Howdy. This is Vosh. You may know me from the YouTube channel, Vosh, where I livestream. Most of it's garbage, but sometimes the good bits get uploaded here. This is Previously Live. While we're on a bit of a TYT hate train, just a little bit of one, you know, I wanted to take a look at something. Somebody emailed me this. Now, I've been an advocate for drug decriminalization for a long time. The basic argument being that if a person is a drug addict, treating it like a criminal issue is a really dumb idea because addiction will make you do dumb things to get your high. And it just means then you do that and then you go to jail and you don't get medical help. And it's just like, it's just like a lose-lose. Like nobody benefits from this, right? Whereas normally, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, if you just say, okay, we're not going to arrest you for doing the drug, okay? But if you want to do the drug, you have to come over to this clean government facility where we have a bunch of like detox uh, counselors and like, oh, hey, would you like a, would you like a candy bar? Would you like a complimentary mint? Well, why don't you come on down here to this like addiction class or something? And then if you do that, like a lot of people end up getting better uh, because like people want to live fulfilling lives. You know, most people do. They just have to be given the path. And um, TYT released a video saying that Portugal, a country that practiced widespread drug decriminalization, has seen, uh, has seen its addiction numbers explode. So I want to see what's up. I'm interested in the argument. So I'm interested from some perspectives. If their arguments are bad, I want to make fun of them. And if their arguments are good, I want to look at associated research to reassess the validity of my perspective. After all, if drug decriminalization doesn't actually improve things, which I still think it does, uh, that's worth re-examining. So let's find out. Everyone? Put your thinking caps on, okay? We're here to learn. Some other form. It's would bit, we bit, lo bit loud. Bit loud. Is that a bit loud? That was a bit loud. Well, this better if we legalized it and regulated it. I and really, I know that seems like a crazy notion. Of course. Look, but I, you look at some of the outcomes in Portugal and you think, well, maybe it's not so crazy. So I think Portugal is a very different country. And in fact, if you look at some of the strategies that have been tried in Portugal, some of them have been tried in certain municipalities in the United States. And what you end up seeing is drug overdose numbers go up, addiction numbers go up. So I think if the Portugal approach could work here, it would have frankly already worked. That was Republican Senator J.D. Vance from Ohio making the case that- Only in Ohio. Yeah. I'm sorry. While drug decriminalization worked in Portugal, similar models have not worked out so well in the United States. Now look, considering the pretty brutal spikes in overdoses and deaths in America each year, I was ready to at least hear them out. But he actually might be getting something wrong. In fact, we might all- Sorry, I was at 0 0.9. All be getting something wrong. Okay, let's watch more and I'll explain what I mean. Look, some harm reduction absolutely matters, right? Suboxone to sort of medically assisted treatment for people who are trying to break clean of this stuff. Remember, J.D. Vance is the thinking man's Republican. He's one of those Peter Thiel ghouls, at least before Peter Thiel dropped funding for the GOP. You know, the, the kind of- the kind of conservative. So there's like two kinds of conservatives, I think. And 
one of like or sorry i should say like two dominant trends of conservative thought and one of them is like christian fascism and the other one is this like enlightened philosopher king pseudo libertarianism where it's basically a bunch of people whose mainline policy goals aren't bigotry but every incidental outcome of what they believe happens to lead to bigotry and they want to like they're like authoritarian but from an ideological perspective if that makes any sense like they're approaching authoritarianism as a a, a proposed potential solution to the 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 uh degradations of democracy right they're trying to um uh frame themselves as like the intellectual philosopher kings who are meant to rule over us for all of our betterment isn't that always their solution to everything? Yeah, it's almost like um, tech uh, uh, billionaire busybodies who think they have 300 IQ actually end up arriving at the same conclusions as neo-Nazis like 90% of the time. All that's part of the equation. But I, I think that if we believe we're gonna solve the opioid problem by handing out needles, we're gonna make the problem worse. And in fact, we're already seeing evidence that we've done this. So uh, no, I don't think that's the solution, but I do think that we should follow the evidence wherever it ultimately leads here. Legalization is not gonna help, but maybe doing medically assisted treatment more and making that more accessible, that's a good solution. Look at J.D. Vance mentioning Suboxone and uh medical treatments to help people who are suffering with addictions. It's incredible. I mean, can we just address his tone and how much Vance has moderated his messaging since running in the GOP primary for his Senate seat in Ohio? He even seems yeah. open to doing more than just, you know, locking people up for drug abuse. And he seems willing to admit that the model worked in Portugal. But as I was researching this story, I was actually shocked to find that tides are turning in Portugal. And their much lauded drug reforms are beginning to show cracks and weaknesses. Okay, so let's learn. Okay, so Find let's out. go back and refresh our memories of how Portugal reformed their drug laws. Back in 2001, Portugal ended punitive drug policies and instead decriminalized consumption of all drugs for personal use. Consumption. Is she talking so unusual? Fine, I'll go 1.1. Um, okay, so quick refresher for people who don't know. My understanding of the effects of the drug policy in Portugal are basically just like summed up in the wiki article. I haven't done a huge deep dive, but it seems like there's a lot of good. Basically, it led to an increase in treatment, which is what you want, a massive drop in HIV infections because people weren't using dirty needles. The total number of overdose deaths plummeted to the point where, um, here, look. As of 2012, Portugal's drug death toll sat as 3 per million in comparison to the EU average of 17.3 per million. Or, in other words, about one-sixth the, um, the European average. So, lower overdose, and that's, that's pretty good. That's actually really good. Then it says, and this is new to me, so I'm reading this now, live. This reduction has decreased in later years. The number of drug-related deaths is now almost on the same level as before the drug strategy was implemented. However, this may be accounted for by improvement in measurement practices, which includes a doubling of toxic toxicological, there we go, autopsies now being performed, meaning more drug-related deaths are likely to be recorded. So the argument being perhaps that now that there's a higher standard for identifying drug deaths, or um, it might be they're just detecting more than before. Um, also, I believe drug use has been increasing on average all over the Western world right now. So it's possible that to an extent, these increases have also been just a, a global trend. 
During the same period, use of heroin and cannabis also increased in Spain and Italy, where drugs for personal use were decriminalized many years earlier than in Portugal. I didn't know they were decriminalized for personal use in Spain and Italy. I'll give it a look later. So there are a lot of factors here. But okay, let's, let's see how it goes. Remains technically against the law, but instead of jail, people who misuse drugs are registered by police and referred to dissuasion commissions. For the most troubled people, authorities can impose sanctions, including fines, and recommend treatment. The decision to attend, though, is voluntary. So the so-called harm reduction model was born. That's what happened in Portugal. And the initial results were absolutely promising. In fact, TYT covered Portugal's success story many, many times. Here's one example from 2012. And back in 2001. Oh my God, vintage jank. Portugal decriminalized all drugs. Now we've talked to you about the Portuguese experiment before and then it seemed that it was going well with the numbers. Well, a new report is out after 11 years of this experiment. How has it gone so far? Well, the numbers are in and they are astounding. The number of drug addicts being treated has dropped by half in Portugal. They cut the rate by 50%. What happened? I thought it was supposed to go up. No, there's far less drug addicts. And if you think that's an impressive number, Drug-related diseases, including STDs and overdoses, have been reduced by an even greater number. Look, he wasn't lying. At that moment in time, August of 2012, uh -oh. data indicated that HIV transmission rates through shared syringes had plummeted. And other metrics illustrated the success of the decriminalization policy as well. From 2000 to 2008, prison populations fell by 16.5%. Wow. Overdose rates dropped as public funds flowed from jails to rehabilitation. There was no evidence of a feared surge in drug use. The decriminalization policy in Portugal was so successful that in 2009, while writing for the Cato Institute, Glenn Greenwald reported- Man, we are like really, really, really backloading the drop here, aren't we? I feel like preempting this information with this much is like, oh man, you know? Yeah, it's like the uh, the first shoe dropped really early on, and I feel like I'm watching somebody climbing a ladder, like holding the shoe out with one hand and climbing out with the other, like getting ready for the biggest other shoe drop possible on an elevator up to the top. That quote, none of the parade of horrors that decriminalization opponents in Portugal predicted and that decriminalization opponents around the world typically invoke has come to pass. And he was right about that. But things have unfortunately begun to shift oh. in a scary direction. Uh, top of the ladder. Officials in Portugal, including the very architect of decriminalization in the country, say they're noticing a steep spike in the number of people suffering from addiction. A newly released national survey suggests the percent of adults who have used illicit drugs increased to 12.8% in 2022. And that's- Wait, oh, wait, hold on. That was in the Wikipedia article we just looked at. And there's some other worthwhile information we might wanna take a look at. Does she mention it? Up from 7.8% in 2001. In other words, there are now more adults reporting illicit drug use today compared to the year the decriminalization policy was implemented with the very intention of lowering the prevalence of drug abuse. Portugal is still doing- Nope, she doesn't mention it. Okay, so, wow. Um, <clears throat> reported lifetime use of, quote, all illicit drugs increased from 7.8 to 12%. Um, lifetime use of cannabis increased cocaine more than doubled from 0.9 to 1.9, ecstasy, heroin, um, 
It has been proposed this effect may have been related to the candor of interviewees who may have been inclined to answer more truthfully due to a reduction in the stigma associated with drug use. Or to put it another way, drugs have been legal to use for personal reasons for 20 years in Portugal. People are probably going to be more honest when asked now. If you ask people back when it's like illegal or has been illegal for your entire life, like, oh yeah, you do heroin? Hey, sir, can you tell me if you do this drug that will get you thrown in jail? Um, a lot of people are going to answer dishonestly. There's another factor here that I think is worth looking at. Reported lifetime use of all illicit drugs just means have you used it in your lifetime, not have you been using it for your lifetime. In other words, this isn't a reference to addiction. It's possible that the number of people who have tried cocaine has gone up, but okay. Right? What about addiction? Because that's like the harm, right? Like if a person does cocaine once because they're in college and they want to try it, they want to know what it's like, and they're like, ah, okay, and then move on. That counts as lifetime use. Is that, I don't really think that's like, I don't really think that factors in the way would like, addiction would, you know? You could make the argument that if, if personal use of these drugs is legal, maybe people would be more likely to experiment with them. But that's not really the harm we're looking to reduce here. I'll take a look at it later, SDL. Um, a lot of words in there, and I am illiterate. Better than some European countries, and drug use there is still below European averages. So you've got to look at it all in context, okay? Analysis by the Washington Post found that Portugal's prevalence of high-risk opioid use is higher than Germany's, but lower than that of France and Italy. But what about overdoses? Okay. Unfortunately, that's where things start to look pretty bleak. All right. Overdose rates have hit 12 year highs and almost doubled in Lisbon from 2019 to 2023. Sewage samples in Lisbon show cocaine and ketamine detection is now among the highest in Europe, with elevated weekend rates suggesting party heavy usage. I am um, extremely concerned with this standard of data collection. First of all, 12 year high. The decriminalization happened more than 12 years ago. So that's like without more context, that doesn't mean much. Like maybe overdose rates are higher now because of COVID and everyone's alone and like mad and stuff and, and sad. Um, but that's not, that doesn't really reflect like the effect of the decriminalization. You would have to compare it to other countries and how theirs have gone up recently and then compare it to the proportion from like 22 years ago, yeah. Also, I don't know why we'd be looking at Lisbon specifically. W once you start introducing like city comparisons, like there's a million things that could potentially affect that. How much have uh, overdose rates increased in cities broadly around the world over the COVID period? Also, if we're taking a look at a sample from 2019 to 2023, aren't we really just looking at the effect of COVID? Like, can you really fairly say that this is purely representative of the effect of decriminalization if decriminalization has been going on for 20 years, but COVID's been going on for the exact time period you're examining? I also don't know, like, by what, what standard am I meant to, like, like, sewage samples in Lisbon? I'm sorry, I don't really have, like, a preconceived idea as to how I'm supposed to look at this and think, like, oh, well, the sewage samples in Paris would have a different story to tell, you know? 
you understand what I'm talking about? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, what? Here's a question: What are the overdose rates in all of Portugal? Shouldn't that be easy to find? It's if a person dies, they're registered by the police department. Like, shouldn't it be easy to find that? Um, overdoses per year in Portugal. Okay, drug overdose deaths in Portugal from 2008 to 2019. Well, wait, that's not... Do we have any, like, more recent data? FAQ from Europa.eu. Drug overdose deaths. This is total number, not per capita. We get a per capita graph? Distribution by age, group, and country? Okay, but what about per capita? Per capita? Per capita? capita. One of these is probably per capita, and I'm just skimming through it fast enough that I can't tell. Not sure, Teletech. What about this? Drug-related deaths. <laughs> Wait, what? Drug-related deaths per 100,000 people not age-adjusted. Portugal, EU excluding Portugal. Damn, look. Portugal's got quite a lower rate compared to European countries broadly. Though there has been an uptick here, and the uptick isn't just COVID-19, because this happened before 2019. So I'd be interested in knowing if there's any other um, uh, factor that contributes to that, you know? Uh, poverty, crime, you know? Euro banking crisis? There's a lot that can, that can affect stuff like that. Proliferation of fentanyl? I, I don't know how much of a problem fentanyl is in Portugal. I know it's a big thing here in America. I assume it's a problem over there. Yeah, it looks like, you know, after 2008, there's kind of a trend upwards. Hmm. Let's continue. Yeah, I think that suggestion is correct. Now, in Porto, the collection of drug-related debris from city streets surged 24% between 2021 and 2022, with this year on track to far outpace the last. Crime, including robbery in public spaces, spiked 14% from 2021 to 2022. Arise police blame on increased drug use. First of all, I don't give a shit what the police have to say about anything related to drug use, okay? I listen to sociologists and nobody else on this subject. For two, why are we once more looking at COVID statistics? Like, okay, I guess the thing that's weird to me is that if there was any other system that we broadly agreed with, and there were problems within that system, we would look to see if there are confounding variables causing those problems and not just immediately blame the system. So how is any of this reflective of drug decriminalization specifically being the issue, right? Like, couldn't there be other things? Is it not like, you know, oh, well, the healthcare system is better in Canada than it is in America, but Canada has this one problem where there's an increase in a problem in Canada the Republican answer would be to immediately blame the entire Canadian system. How so, SDL, in what way? And look, let's just pause for a second. That doesn't surprise me either. People who are... Someone said Portugal cut funding 12 years ago, as in they stopped funding the rehabilitation programs, the ones that were, like, contributing to the reduction in addiction. Addicted especially if they're addicted to certain drugs like heroin, fentanyl, if they don't get their next fix... They become dope sick, and they could even die in some cases. That and so they'll do happen. anything to get the resources in order to get their hands on their next fix, 
So that's why you'll notice, you know, instances of burglaries and stuff like that kind of spike in relation to, or, or yeah, simultaneously with a spike in, you know, drug overdoses and drug use. Anyway, not only. Well, I, I agree with that, but that's the purpose of the rehabilitation, right? So you provide them like, uh, you know, like clean needles or you provide them like rehabilitation centers or therapy or whatever. You know, you just try to move them away from the addiction. Does the Washington Post provide broad statistics on how the liberal drug policy has- Broad? The statistics you cited were like two year sample of sewage drug trace detection in one city in, in, in Lisbon. That wasn't broad. Those those statistics were incredible. Were so hyper specific that they don't paint a very clear picture of how this relates to the larger rate of overdoses in 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 Portugal. Fared in recent years, they also detail tragic stories of individuals struggling with addiction, leading any non sociopathic person to feel quite a bit of despair. So take the story of one of the state-funded so-called squad houses on the south side of Porto as an example. The objective is to provide addicts a private place to use outside of public view. But there are unintended consequences as it enables some to hide their drug addiction from family members who might be able to stage an intervention and help their loved ones get clean. Inside what, what are these? broad statistics on how the liberal drug policy has fared in recent years. They also detail tragic stories of individuals struggling with addiction, leading any non-sociopathic person to feel quite a bit of despair. So take the story of one of the state-funded so-called squat houses on the- Squat houses, that's what I was looking for. Squat house, Portugal. What, what is a squat house? Squatting by definition is illegal. What is a, what is a squat house? Squat house, Drug, Portugal. Okay, here we go. From the oh no, here's the Washington Post article that she's almost certainly citing, and that's right. Washington Post picks money. That's right. Okay, so I feel like it says something that the only place I can find any mention of a quote squat house is from the Washington Post article that she is specifically referencing. I new state funded drug use center okay so that's the actual term not squat house it sounds like somebody who is trying to fear monger would call it um portugal drug use center i'm having a hard time finding any reference to this Outside of Porto, as an example, the objective is to provide addicts a private place to use outside of public view. But there are unintended consequences as it enables some to hide their drug addiction from family members who might be able to stage an intervention and help their loved ones get clean. Inside, a 47-year-old man struggled to mix ashy heroin with fragments of crystal crack, crushing both into a souped-up speedball. Observed by a nurse, he took the needle and jabbed it into a vein in his neck. The veins on his hands have dried up, the nurse said, matter-of-factly. I can't use it home, said another person at the center. It causes too much trouble, so I make the drive an hour and a half here. And look, I also don't begrudge- Yeah, that doesn't sound great. I think the argument is that if you provide them a space to do this, where they're overseen by nurses, it is definitely better than them just doing it in a rank alley where they are not being overseen by nurses. I do think there's an argument to be made for the idea that providing them a space to do this does make it less likely that their family or friends would recommend them to treatment.
But ultimately, the decision to get treatment is voluntary and up to the person anyway. So it's not really like getting reported by the cops. It's like they already know the options open. And it probably is better that a nurse is overseeing this guy do the aforementioned neck crack heroin thing. Uh, you know, it's probably better for him that the nurse is there. God, what a rough job that must be. Feel these policies do little to compel people who are addicted to drugs to get clean because fact of the matter is that's really not what these government funded organizations are interested in doing and they're clear about that. What? In the tourist quarter in the shadow of Porto's fortress like cathedral, a social worker with a government funded nonprofit handed out clean syringe packages to people who use heroin. Oh dude, she's like full on doing the Republican thing right now. She's doing the thing where like, hey, providing them clean needles means the government actually wants them to stay addicts and not, you know, they want to reduce HIV infection rates. She's actually just doing the Republican thing. Um, yeah. Who, who wrote the Washington Post article that she's citing right now? By Anthony Fiola. Hold on. I'm just going to, I'm going to take a Hail Mary at this one. A correspondent. Rome Bureau uh, Chief for the Washington Post. All right. Any information on this guy? I'm just curious if he has any, you know, ideological inclinations. There's the Portugal thing. Talking about Tunisia. No. He doesn't seem to be a crank. At least not the kind who tweets obvious stuff that I could find in exactly two seconds. Uh, okay. Providing clean needles is not the government trying to get people to shoot up. It's trying to, the, it's the government trying to keep them from getting AIDS. Oh yeah, and, and you guys in chat have been pointing out that apparently the funding for this, these drug rehabilitation programs has been cut massively um, in the past 12 years. Where they saw this initial surge in social well-being, they moved money out of the program. And as a, as a consequence of that, I, I imagine that the outcomes would get worse. When, when crack pipes are available, the social workers give them out. There's no judgment, few questions, and no pressure to embrace change. Now, summing up that philosophy. Yeah, why would the nurses be there to judge them? That's not the nurse's job. The nurse's job is to oversee, to provide medical aid if necessary. That's not what they're there for. Also, I'm pretty sure we have well-developed therapeutic models on how to get addicts to, like, change. And you can't pressure them into it. You have to incentivize them because ultimately it is their choice. It's a harm reduction thing. If you just kind of shove them into rehab, it doesn't tend to work. You need to build a platform that makes them feel as though there's some worth in trying to make their life better. Hey, Vosh, Portuguese person here, this is mostly bullshit. What I'm saying or what she's saying, to be clear? A woman named Luisa Neves, uh, who's the president of one of these uh, nonprofits, said, quote, you have to respect the user. What if they saying? want okay. to use, it is their right. Yeah, it literally legally is their right. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah, no, this is like basic psych stuff. Yeah, Th yeah, this is basic psych stuff. Th yeah. If they want to use, it is their right. In the, the, the job of these drug use houses is to make sure they're doing it in as safe a way as is possible, given these constraints. That's, that's, the, that's the point. Now, I think safe injection sites are important, incredibly important in preventing the spread of deadly diseases. Okay. But how these sites are operated matters a lot. And we'll get to what I mean by that in just a moment. 
And while I want to reiterate that these policies were passed with the absolute best intentions, the unintended consequences are hard to ignore in recent years, but they can be fixed. Wait, somebody just linked something interesting. Apparently the Cato Institute sent a letter to the Washington Post re rebuking the, the Cato Institute is like the is like the libertarian like neocon free speech and no taxes um, think tank, and they sent a letter trying to rebuke this. Oh, a lot of these arguments I've made, I just made. Portugal's adult drug use lower than the European average. Drug overdoses over like lifetime drug use. Overdose deaths have increased between 2019 and 2023, but they have all around the world. Interesting. I Okay, so yeah, in the span of just a week, this, this got like, huh, hmm. Now, over the last 18 months, a drug encampment in Porto sprung up below a school. More homes have been burgled. One neighbor said she found a person naked from the waist down shooting up outside her house gate. Residents have launched US style neighborhood watches and hired private security guards, something exceedingly rare in Europe. This is fear mongering drivel right here. Um, dr the uh, drug use is high, is, is, is elevating everywhere. The idea that like specifically here, like, oh, people are fearful. Well, that's not data, is it? This is anecdote shit. Here is one instance of a guy, of a person who saw someone naked shooting up, okay? I grew up in Los Angeles, grow up. Um, like, Jesus Christ, like, seriously, that's the rebuke of the whole nationwide policy. Um, some people have gotten security guards. Bro, you know where it's really common for people to hire private security? Beverly Hills. You know why? Beverly Hills is full of paranoid rich lunatics who are terrified of their shiny cars getting scratched. So they'll spend $150,000 a year hiring burly dudes in suits to sit around their pristine mansions and pristine garages doing nothing. This is not, th no, this is not... This is literally just anecdote. This is narrativization. I reject this. Police deployed in force to the area three months ago to crack down on dealers who can be and are being arrested. Patrol cars are now stationed in the neighborhood 24 hours a day, scattering people using drugs. Wow, that's a very exceptional and definitely Portuguese specific thing. Police officers arresting dealers and scattering drug users. That is definitely a thing that only happens in Portugal, and it does it does not happen elsewhere. Okay, from my personal experience living in um uh, and near Hollywood uh, and in Humboldt and Seattle, these things just don't happen here. It's a Portugal thing. That's how you know it's because of the decriminalization policy. And the mayor of Porto recounts a contradiction spurred by the policy that sounds honestly all too familiar to those living in coastal cities in Western United States. Oh, well, hey, look at that. These days in Portugal, it is forbidden to smoke tobacco outside of school or a hospital. It is forbidden to advertise ice cream and sugar candies. And yet it is allowed for people to be there injecting drugs. We've normalized it. So this is literally like, here's a dude saying shit, I'm just gonna cite it. I don't think in Portugal, they've normalized being naked from the waist down, injecting heroin into their dickhole. I don't think they have. I don't think that's true. Can you not recognize Republican boomer speak when you see it? Can you not recognize the language of reactionaries? Like, isn't it obvious? Uh, these days, you know, they don't even let the Bible into school, but uh, you can open up a book and see genitals drawn right there. That's the woke agenda for you, Kurhyuk. 
oh wow, you know, it's you you can just walk around the street and yell at people, but you you can't even do that. Like it's 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 outrage bait. The mayor of Porto is a right winger. Yeah, of course he is. You can tell just by reading this. It's fear-mongering. Oh, society has slipped. It has degenerated. Even though Portugal has lower rates of drug overdose than the rest of Europe, or than the European average, here we've normalized it. For some reason, it's normalized here and not elsewhere, despite us having lower rates of drug overdose. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's bullshit. This is what I mean about media analysis. Being able to look at this and immediately understand that it's an irrational argument. This sounds like Tucker Carlson shit from where I am. Oh my god, literally. These days in Portugal, it is forbidden to smoke tobacco outside a school or a hospital. It is forbidden to advertise ice cream and sugar candies. And yet, it is allowed for people to be there injecting drugs. We've normalized it. Now, see there, when I say it in his voice, instantly it becomes recognized. Why? What is going on? Who consented to this who agreed by the way the mayor of porto does not want to reverse the decriminalization law in portugal what are we talking but about? he is calling for some tweaks and we'll get to that in just a moment now even the head of portugal's national institute on drug use and the very architect of the decriminalization policy in the country admitted to local press in december that quote what we have today no longer serves as an example to anyone. The program's funding being cut by an enormous amount might have something to do with this. Like, do we, can we have some... Can, you know what? I, I actually want the full interview. I actually want the full interview, okay? It's... I don't know how to pronounce this name. Jo, Joao Go Lao. Um, drug use... What we have today, because that gets you the, the, the quote exactly, no longer serves. That should be enough. Let's find the full uh, context here. Oh, the first thing that pops up is the Washington Post article. I just feel like you could reasonably understand that this could be in reference to a lot and not just the program was a bad idea to, to begin with, you know? Can't you afford to read the WAPO article? I am not giving those pieces of shit my money. His words, not mine. But he's not ready to fully reverse the policy, Let's and gym. I'd agree Let's with him. Gym. Instead, he wants to make improvements, and there are two things that stand out to me while looking at this story closely. For one, the program started with the government carrying out services following decriminalization. Here we, oh, somebody linked the cached version, here we go. Admitted to the local press in December that what we have today no longer serves as example to anyone. Rather than fault the policy, however, he blames a lack of funding. Anna? Anna? Maybe missing a little bit of vital context contained in the very next sentence? This entire time you've been building this up as some kind of indictment of the underlying policy and he's just saying we need more money? Curious. Thank you to the person who linked that. But later, outsource the this work piece of to shit. nonprofits. So Portugal decentralized its drug oversight operation in 2012. A funding drop from 82.7 million to 17.4 million. Jesus, that's like an 80% cut. Oh my God. Forced Portugal's main institution to outsource work previously done by the state 
to nonprofit groups, including the street teams that engage with people who use drugs. The cut in funding quite- At least she acknowledged the funding cut, bad framing aside. Okay, if, if she was being honest here, this would have opened as a story about how um, deregulation and um, privatizing government work ends up drastically reducing public health outcomes. Because that is exactly what she would have done a year ago and exactly what she would do as a template for any other instance where um, where, a la where like a, the government like massively cut funding to a program and then like everything got worse. Also, look at how little money was being put into this program. 82.7 million? I know that Portugal is a much smaller country than America, but holy shit. You were the envy of the world in terms of drug outcomes for 82.7 million a year? Jesus Christ. That's not a lot, even for Portugal. But then, no doubt, like, austerity politics ghouls in Portugal were like, well, no, actually, wouldn't it be better if, like, we spent less money? Cause, and now things have gotten worse, and if she was being honest, that would have been front-loaded. But we're 12 minutes in, and she's mentioning the, the, the funding cuts incidentally, like it's, ah, oh, well, you know, things have changed. After all this fear-mongering bullshit about, oh, this one neighborhood had a guy who shot up naked, you know? teams that engage with people who use drugs. The cut in funding quite clearly had a terrible impact huh? and weakened Portugal's successful program. Okay. Also speaking from personal experience here in Los Angeles, leaning on publicly funded nonprofits to carry out the job is a terrible idea. For one, there tends to be a lot of waste. Just look at the insane six-figure salaries of the executives for these nonprofits. And Don't buy this bullshit, okay? This is um, internally inconsistent. If the problem here was the uh, funding shift, she never would have done the fear-mongering stuff. This is being done as like a post-hoc acknowledgement, you know? So what, like, what are the conclusions she's going to arrive at? How much money they take home every year, paid for by the taxpayer, of course. Also, these nonprofits would no longer serve a purpose and would no longer receive government grants if drug abuse issues person. were solved. We certainly wouldn't need as many of them if these issues were mitigated through other means. There is an inevitable conflict of interest, and I'd rather have a centralized government program. Luckily, Portugal is headed in the right direction and is now moving to create a new institute aimed at reinvigorating its drug prevention programs. Okay. As with many liberal US cities, Portugal's lack of emphasis on rehabilitation while pursuing harm reduction strategies is also proving to be a problem. The number of users being funneled into drug treatment in Portugal has sharply fallen, going from a peak of 1,150 in 2015 to 352 in 2021, the most recent year available. And what about- it's like the fun So like the funding cuts? A little bit? About so-called dissuasion commissions, the commissions I mentioned earlier that are supposed to, you know, talk to people and try to encourage them to get clean. Well, of two dozen street people who, by the way, that's the Washington Post's wording, not mine, but of the two dozen people uh, who use drugs and were asked by the Post, not one said they'd ever appeared before one of Portugal's dissuasion commissions envisioned as conduits to funnel people with addiction into rehab. Now look, identifying Funding? the flaws, the current flaws Cuts. in Portugal's- Yeah, just random group of 24 people that a random colonist talked to in the street, I guess, but also funding? Cuts?
decriminalization model is critical if we want to avoid circling back to destructive war on drug policies. Some of the earliest adopters of liberal drug policies, unfortunately, have now begun reversing course. Consider lawmakers in Amsterdam and how they decided to institute a ban on smoking pot in public places. I mean, honestly, that reversal seems a bit overboard, but it's also worth noting Norway's decision to implement a Portugal-like plan to decriminalize drugs. Well, that fell apart in 2021. And cities across the US have implemented, in their minds, Portugal's model because of how successful it was in the beginning. And to be fair, I'd funded. be shocked if municipal lawmakers were aware of the latest data and how it demonstrates otherwise. No, see, this is what I mean with the inconsistency. She's like, Oh yeah, by the way, they cut the funding by 80%. And then she goes on to talk about the program broadly as though it failed. The program didn't fail, it succeeded massively. The program got defunded. So she keeps like, she'll acknowledge the defunding and she'll acknowledge that, but then she'll go right back to going like, ah, oh, well the system's failing because you know they don't do these things. And also like, see how it's failed lately and look at how it's failed and look at all these like, um, these these like these like scary stories of homeless people you know be be doing drugs this one story of a guy shooting up in the neck you know like what does that have to do with the funding cut at all wouldn't this have made a lot more sense if the whole thing opened with her going hey remember how portugal was a global model for drug rehabilitation well the neoliberals got to them cut funding to the program and you'll never guess it guys privatizing government work usually leads to worse outcomes take a look at how all of these things in portugal have gotten worse and it just so happens to correspond to an 80 percent funding decrease wouldn't that like isn't that like the easy thing to say like really though all of this extra stuff of like the fear monger and the oh look how it didn't work why why not just say that that's a correct position to take in fact numbers coming out of states like oregon make it pretty clear that they are unaware of some of these issues and flaws what, of defunding the issues and flaws that you've been citing are directly attributable to the funding cut so why are you acting like that's a fundamental problem with the program. This, this, would, this would be like getting upset because like you're, you're mad that somebody's going to be getting a refrigerator because you don't think the fridge will work. And the reason you don't think the fridge will work is because you have that fridge and you shot it 50 times with a gun and now it doesn't work. And they're buying like a new fridge. They, they, and they, they're like, oh, well, I like the fridge and they're buying the fridge. You're like, well, no, the fridge doesn't work. There are 50 holes in the fridge. That's not their problem. In Oregon, where the policy took effect in early 2021, openly citing Portugal as a model, attempts to funnel people with addiction from jail to rehabilitation have had a rough start. To be clear, I don't know how good of a job Oregon has done with their program. Just because they're citing Portugal as a model does not mean they're doing a good job of implementing the program. Police have shown little interest in handing out toothless citations for drug use. Grants for treatment have lagged. I would really emphasize that part. And extremely few people are seeking voluntary rehabilitation. Meanwhile, overdoses this year in Portland, the state's largest city, have surged 46%. Well, it sounds like the policy isn't being implemented pretty well. I like how the first problem with the policy is that the cops are bastards. Literally like, oh, sorry. Cops want to beat addicts. They don't want to, like, help them. So problem number one is that, like, the cops are scum and they won't do anything good for the community. So, well, I believe that. That is, by the way, that actually is a real problem with any kind of rehabilitative drug policy in America, which is that we have, like, the worst cops. Like, 
I'm sure Portuguese cops are bad because they're cops and all, but like U.S. cops are a whole other thing, right? So a big problem here is that our cops are evil and hateful people, um, and that will impede a lot. Um, I just out of curiosity, Oregon drug decriminalization. The drug war costs a lot of money. If you want to really commit to undoing that damage with drug decriminalization policies, you need to be willing to spend a lot of time and money on it. It's worth spending a lot of time and money on, in my opinion. But it's not something you can fix with like um, a little, like a little change. Like it's a, a commitment. It's a huge commitment. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. New research report on Oregon's drug decriminalization law. <laughs> Datra. It's called Datra. Decriminalize, uh, decriminalize personal possession. In lieu of arrests, Oregon implemented a low fine Class C violation. Expanding funding for services for people who use drugs, the allocation of $302 million from marijuana tax revenue to county-level organizations and tribal partners. The leading government process with community advisory council that includes people most impacted by the harm of the war drug. Okay. So we're, we're, this, this program is being funded by taxes and all the legal weed that's being sold. So that's, that's cool, right? Um, let's see. Let's see. Does this actually have, like, outcomes, or is it just, like, a puff piece? I think this is a puff piece. Let me see if there are any actual outcomes. This is a, oh, look at that, the Cato Institute being uh, right, uh, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, if you'll recall. Oregon's drug decriminalization needs to go further. Okay, so the um, Libertarian Economic Policy Institute is arguing more drugs all the time here and in Portugal. And that's cool. I agree. The problem, however, is that 110 did not go far enough. While 110 eliminated serious penalties for personal use, it did not legalize production and sale of drugs. Yeah, the Cato Institute is literally like, you should be able to manufacture heroin in your bathtub to sell at like a lemonade stand on your front lawn. They are very committed to their... <laughs> uh, true free market. There are... The Republican Party does not contain free market Andes anymore. They're all open fascists, you know? We have to enjoy this stuff while we can. Uh, federal law still bans all possession of uh, any amount of drugs. Right, right. Prohibition encourages violence because illicit suppliers cannot use the legal and judicial systems to re resolve uh, disputes. That's true, that's true. One tens critics to, uh, point out it took Portugal years to prepare by carefully shifting resources from criminal justice to treatment and recovery services. This has led some to say that Oregon has put the cart before the horse. Portugal did focus on treatment over punishment for a decade before 2001. Fines were the primary punishment given to drug users, and less than 1% of imprisoned drug offenders were jailed for drug use. Thus, Portugal, quote, primarily codified existing practice. Interesting. So this article is essentially arguing the law didn't go far enough, and it also didn't prepare properly. That a massive shift in drug policy can't just be done willy-nilly. It, it takes like a lot of, of, of time um, and a lot of preparation to shift resources as necessary. What's the difference between Oregon Measures 109 and 110? One. And if you zoom out and look at the United States overall, 
the numbers are stunning and incredibly tragic. So in the United States alone, overdose deaths fueled by opioids and deadly synthetic fentanyl topped 100,000 people in both 2021 and 2022. And that's double what it was in 2015. Look, people are dying. Yeah, it's pretty bad. You know, one of the biggest things we could do to reduce drug overdoses, by the way, is to go after pharmaceutical companies for prescribing people um, opioid painkillers for like basically anything, which um, then leads to them, you know, like getting addicted. People will get injuries or have like longstanding pain and they get prescribed really powerful painkillers, which are addictive. They are opioid painkillers. That is what they do. Same stuff we made morphine out of and heroin. Um, and then fentanyl is just like a super cheap, easily available, easy to manufacture synthetic drug that like hits the same basic high and is more powerful and then it kills you. Um, it's not good, folks. Uh, in a proper system with proper, um, you know, uh, 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 sort of criminal prosecution efforts and uh, healthcare, we would go after the pharmaceutical companies for reckless overuse of opioid painkillers and we would have the resources available to provide better services to people with longstanding pain. And we need to find a way to reverse this trend. We desperately need to find a way to save lives without going back to overly punitive policies. Let's just pause for a second. I wanna, I wanna reiterate that. I do not want to go back to war on drug, war on drugs, like overly punitive policies. They did- But you talk like somebody who does because you, you cite like fear mongering narratives about the presence of drug users in your community and how scary it is. So what, what are your policies? What do you want? Because it seems like, it basically seems like she's saying, guys, Portugal's policy has failed, but I'm not opposed to Portugal's policy. Like, what, what do you want? Not work, they were not good. I do think that we can save this model, but we need to make some tweaks. The problem is people are unwilling to ever admit that something isn't really going as well as we thought it was going, or that there might be some flaws that we might wanna work on. Who's refusing to admit this? Who? What? What is this imaginary opposition that you're referring to right now that aren't talking about what is this a twitter thing is this like people on twitter got mad at me when i said stuff about homeless people and it's because they weren't willing to accept the hard stone cold truth about homeless people and drug users what are we talking about because if we don't learn from portugal's mistakes or don't defund your programs or our own we definitely will go to war on drug policies we are and mass incarceration. We, we currently that, do. again, does nothing to actually deal with why these individuals have drug addiction issues in, in the first place, right? It's not gonna do anything to actually help them get rehabilitated. Yeah, we, that we, we, we're currently doing the drug war mass incarceration thing. What specifically are you proposing though? Because it seems like your only problem with Portugal's program is that it was defunded. But if it was funded fully or equivalent programs were properly funded and prepared for, then it would be fine. So is that fine? Is that okay? Now, Portugal also commits far more of its resources to social spending programs. So for anyone who might think that, well, you know, maybe- Well, well yeah, but not to the drug thing because that was like $82 million in a year, which is, I think SDL worked that out and said that was $8 per person in Portugal, which like, $8 per person in Portugal per year for having the best drug outcomes in the West. I mean, think of all the money you save on prisons. 
The problem in Portugal is the same problem we have here in the United States. Root causes, everyone, root causes. It's because of poverty. Not quite. The OECD defines this as expenditures targeted at low income households, the elderly, disabled, sick, unemployed, or young persons. Now, Portugal not only dedicates a higher percentage of its GDP to social welfare spending compared to the United States, and that's again, according to OECD data, it also has a much better healthcare system. Right, but again, to be clear, the drug policy wasn't a massive contributor to the social spending. It was relatively cheap and they gutted it anyway. We wouldn't have to make, there would be quite a culture shock here in the States because of our like drug war thing that we'd have to undo. We'd be redirecting quite a lot, but it wouldn't cost that much compared to what it costs to do the drug war. While it definitely isn't perfect, all residents in Portugal have access to healthcare. So they have universal healthcare provided by the National Health Service, which is funded mainly through taxes. They still have co-payments and healthcare delivery is based on both public and private providers. So while it's not a single payer model, they do have universal healthcare in Portugal, yet they're still having the same problems we're experiencing with drug addiction here in the United States. So sometimes- I, The framing on this is like mind blowing. All around the world, drug overdoses are going up because people are desperate and miserable and poor and sick and hungry and lonely. That's the, that's a global problem right now, as I understand it. At least it's a West-wide problem. I think it's been happening elsewhere, too. Um, but what we're talking about are failings that are a product of the defunding of the program, right? So what is she advocating for? This is what I mean, man. I didn't think she was going to say what she actually wanted. What does she want? Does she just want to do Portugal's drug policy before neocons defunded it? Sure, that's what I want. Then why did we do the whole 15 minute sit down and fear monger? Why? The issues that we're seeing need more than, you know, more social programs. I think Portugal's model is promising. It shows that it worked. They made No, it's not it's not promising. It worked. It didn't show promise. Showing promise is when you indicate that you might do good in the future. It worked, and then it got gutted. We know that it worked. Some changes beginning in 2012, and those changes were not positive ones. They did not have a positive impact, but that's okay. Clearly they're reversing course, and I'm excited to see how the numbers change now that they're going back to a centralized government model. What does this video mean? I don't understand what this video means. I'm so confused. I feel like I'm watching a battle of the minds, and the minds are, the, are Anna's and Anna's, and it's like her fear of poor drug users and homeless people versus her like TYT economic progressivist position. What, what's happening here? She, yeah, she's got two wolves inside her and they're murdering each other right now. This is alienating to everyone. Yeah, that's, it's actually funny. This is actually like very ineffective messaging because liberals will be put off by the obvious fear-mongering over the homeless and drug users and conservatives will be put off by the praise of Portugal's theoretical drug policy. So yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it, it doesn't like hit, it, do, it doesn't hit a point. No, they won't. No, no, no. Liberals like to pretend they care about homeless people. In reality, they they don't. But but they like to pretend. You know, um, it's it's very much like a, a fair weather compassion thing. They're doing a centrist shift when that demographic is shrinking. It's so stupid. I don't. I just. I don't get it. I don't understand. 
Why wasn't this video just her going like, hey, outcomes have gotten worse in Portugal. Well, what happened before it started getting worse? Oh, look at that. They defunded the program and privatized it. And that would have made such an easy TYT video. I don't even think it's like contradictory with the values that she and Jenk have. I know she has issues with crime. Don't we all? But I don't even think that take would like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm genuinely like quite confused. That, you know, takes care of the services associated with their drug policies instead of kind of outsourcing them to these yeah. uh, nonprofits. But the point that I'm trying to make here is sometimes you have to adapt to the situation changing. And clearly the situation changed in Portugal. And if we're going to point to Portugal as a success story, if we're going to implement Portugal's policies in US cities and use Portugal as an inspiration, we then make sure to fund your program properly. Right. We just got to make sure that we implement it correctly. Because my fear is if we don't, if the policies fail, the pendulum will swing in the opposite direction and we need to prevent that from happening. Thanks for watching the young man. She doesn't even at the end talk about what specifically she wants. It, it, yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's gas leak politics again. I just don't understand what the message intended behind this video was. I'm very confused. What are the comments saying? It's got like a three or maybe four to one like to dislike ratio. It seems like a lot of people are being critical of her logic, which is good. I'm also doing that. Yeah, they sort by newest by default, which keeps there from being... Did they Have they always made it sort by newest by default? Because I feel like it makes it really, really hard to see people dogpiling them in the replies. Because, like, with all the shit Anna's been saying, like, the top comments are like, you know, what the fuck are you doing, Anna? Yes, that has always been a thing in their channel. Okay, well, it's certainly coming in handy now. I just don't get it. I don't understand the incoherence. I don't know if it's grifting or if it's just poorly thought out arguments. I don't understand. I just, I don't. I don't understand. I don't.